My parents left Nigeria to make it in America. They worked really hard and they sacrificed a lot. Their children were born and raised in America and we were on our way to achieving the American dream. But I always felt that my home was somewhere else. So 32 years later, I returned to live in Nigeria. I'm sure you could imagine everyone surprised when I said, I don't wanna be here. So the return is for folks in the African diaspora who left the West to come home. Now, home and returning can mean many things. So we'll explore the cultural and emotional shifts that help one return to themselves, whether that's through geography or something else. Each week, I'll talk to someone about their path to returning and the lessons learned along the way. So stay tuned and join the discussion because the return is here to chart these journeys. It's not about the answer. It's about the conversation. Hey everyone, so welcome to episode four. I feel like this episode is a really inspiring one just because of who inspired it and um, the question that inspired it and got me thinking. So this is actually the quickest podcast I've ever made in terms of turnaround. So it's interesting what inspiration can do. And I'm just so ready to get into it. So I'm not going to say much. And um, you'll know what the episode is because I'll talk about what it's going to be about in the next section. But I hope that you enjoy I hope that you enjoy and get your tea, get your pen and notepad if you want to take some notes because it's going to be one of those shows. Much love. So I have received my first question from somebody who's interested in my podcast And I think it's interesting how they found me. They found me through Instagram. And that's really the only mode I use of like being accessible to the public and, you know, really promoting what I'm doing. So this person was like, hey, I found your page and I have a question. So the question was something to the effect of, I'm Nigerian too, and I want to return back to Nigeria, but I want to do so respectfully. And how do I, how do I um, deal with like the potential shattering that might happen from returning back to one's homeland? And I found it so interesting that this person used the word shattering, because I would definitely say that that word describes my experience perfectly of returning back to Nigeria in the six to seven months I've been here. I feel like someone has literally taken a sledgehammer to to my soul. So I wanna answer this question and I dedicate this show to this person who had such vulnerability. I mean, they left me a paragraph about on my, my page And I'm going to split this show into three different segments. So right now we are in the first segment, which is me presenting the question, which I've already done. 
So how do I return respectfully to my ancestral homeland and guard against potential shattering? Then the second segment will be me talking about what has shattered me about being in Nigeria. And then the third segment will be me talking about how I've gone about picking up those pieces and reconciling the shattering. So three segments. One, the question I've done. Two, the next segment, which will be about what has shattered me. And three, how am I picking up those pieces and reconciling? Okay, great. So I have amazing news. The Return has two great sponsors from two great companies. And the first one is called The Black Expat, which is a company celebrating and uplifting the perspectives of Black people who have traveled and lived abroad. And I think it's so timely considering everything that's happening right now, especially in the U.S., um, but everywhere around, like the movement for Black lives. A lot of Black people are asking, where can I go where I can have some peace? And I can't tell you how many Black people have reached out to me from the U.S. specifically saying, what is your particular um, experience? So that's why I think the Black expat is so important because it, it gives examples of what leaving could look like and what restoration could look like and I know that many more of us are going to be engaging in this kind of conversation and making these moves probably in the years to come as viable options and then we also have curated culture travel which is another company that I love because it combines the travel experience with the spiritual experience so they do like full moon activations and I love the quotes they have it's really inspiring and I found them both on Instagram both of these companies so shout out to the IG and just the way it can connect folks and even connect me to other people just because I'm just so not um about the social media at times but since IG is the only platform I really use to promote it was nice to happen upon these two these two um, brands and companies and women black women who run these brands who are also about uplifting black stories and black creatives so definitely check them out the black expat on ig and also if you just type it in on google you'll find it they have an entire publication and website and then curated culture travel and they have really great if you're looking for inspirational quotes and just things to make you think a little deeply about your own spiritual practice and travel history then um, I think this will be for you so yeah I don't know if there's anything else I need to tell you right now but I hope that you're enjoying the show and I'm gonna stop talking so we can get into the next segment My shattering actually happened before I ever 
return to Nigeria. It, it happened in my family in rural Massachusetts as um, the daughter of Nigerian immigrants. And I know that when we talk about our families, we're very protective and we're also very careful about how we talk about our families because we have to deal so much with the white gaze, the, um, the colonialist gaze and everything that white supremacist capitalist imperialism has wrought on our people you know, all the harm and the devastation and the disfigurement and all that, all that. It, it's taken a lot for us to, to reckon with ourselves and to rebuild ourselves and to awaken to ourselves in spite of everything that's happened. So it's important for me to say this from a place of strength and of a place from resilience because so many of us who are coming from African cultures understand what it means to be born into a culture, into a family that both loves you and traumatizes you. And I think if we don't wanna keep passing on this trauma load onto the next generation, then we have to hold those tensions. And that's really kind of the position we find ourselves in, especially if you're um, first gen or second gen, like I am, where you hold two different perspectives and many different understandings in one body, you know, it, it's kind of up to you to literally air out this dirty laundry, but it, it's so you can transmute this, because at some point we have to figure out who who we were and what our original goodness is and was before, before the colonizer came and completely distorted that, you know? And it's never to say that we were a perfect people before, but wow, colonization really did do a number on us. It, it taught us that exploitation and repression and control, controlling to, to harm was and is okay. And you can see how we continue this. So that was my, my initial shattering when, when I experienced just, um, the culture that my parents had learned, the culture of silence, especially when it came to a woman speaking up for herself and, a woman leaving a, a relationship that just didn't serve her anymore. You know, the whole idea of getting a divorce within our cultures is unheard of. That's something that you just don't do. So my shattering happened when I realized I couldn't be myself. And I was really trying to be the good daughter, the the well-spoken um, girl, the, the, the one who could be smart and intelligent, but also could be dutiful and could listen to authority. So this also brings me, I think, to another fundamental shattering I experienced growing up in my particular family system, which was 
about adults and exposing adults' bad behavior um, or um, unhealthy patterns because we're also taught that we should never question adults and that adults are always right and have the absolute authority. But what happens when they're wrong? There's just no space to say that. So I, I, I started to learn a lot of things. I, I learned that rather than express my emotions, express my discomfort, it was better to just forget that I had any. So I learned how to emotionally shut myself down. And for me, that was a huge shattering because I didn't even realize I had feelings and desires until my late 20s. Um, and this was after years of going to therapy, years of acupuncture and energy healing and journaling and meditating when I finally realized, oh, you have a lot that you haven't dealt with. And I know growing up too and also observing my um, cousins, th their family systems was similar. You just didn't say certain things. You didn't question certain things. So that was my initial shattering. And then I spent my adulthood really trying to excavate that and recover from that and become more of who I, I think I always was, which was a sensitive person and also a deeply perceptive person and also someone who, who if I didn't feel comfortable with something, if I felt awkward around something, I would have to ask questions. And, you know, I, I also learned about myself in my um, process of healing that I was also very independent. So then this whole thing of always having to, as a woman, attach yourself to a husband and kind of stay in that particular relationship dynamic actually didn't work for me. You know, I had tried to get married and um, I had a fiance and that just did not work out for me. And I realized, oh, that's not really how you would be in relationship anyway. You would probably have a partner and, you know, you'd probably want to live outside the confines of marriage. So just a lot of things that I had to reconcile in my shattering. So by the time I got to Nigeria, I had done all of this inner work to address that. And in Nigeria, I brushed up against all of these things. So I was actually triggered a lot, especially around gender, because being a woman in Nigeria is not easy. It's not easy at all. Um, I think of what my mom said when we were talking maybe a month or two ago, and she was just like, yeah, I left Nigeria, you know, really to go to university in the States, but also it, it's just difficult to live there as a woman. And she had told me about her experience as, I think she might've been in college and she was interning or working somewhere at some company in Nigeria. And the man had sent her on, the man who was like the boss had sent her on errands and stuff. 
And then after a while, he, he tried getting closer to her and it just didn't feel appropriate. And he was like, if you don't do what I want you to do, which was clearly um, not what she wanted to do and was deeply inappropriate. He was just like, I, I won't treat you well and you'll see what'll happen. And thankfully my mom had an older sister and her older sister had gotten her the job. And once my mom told her sister, she, um, she made sure she never went back to that job again, but other women might not have that opportunity to just leave. So you can imagine what they would have to negotiate. And it's not like there's human resources in the same way, or you can sue and, you know, people will actually listen to you. I mean, it's hard enough to do that in the U.S. So in Nigeria, it's a whole different ball game. So my mom was like, yeah, Ni Nigeria is for men, you know, and, and that was kind of what she learned growing up there. And I realized that this was a part of her shattering so we have to also understand that the things that shatters us about our culture, we're not the only one who holds it. Usually we're also holding what our parents, what our families, what our ancestors weren't able to reconcile. So me coming back, I feel like straight into the wound was interesting because I actually brushed up against a lot of people who didn't understand my particular positioning as a Nigerian-American woman who is in her 30s but is not yet married and who is sensitive and perceptive and asks a lot of questions and doesn't seem to prescribe to what people think about authority, especially questioning men. And I was in a situation actually not too long ago where I actually did question men. And it, it was interesting because that was something I knew you're not supposed to do. But because I needed to make sure I wasn't losing my mind, because again, within this kind of system, it's, it's um, easy to think that you're the one who's out of whack and you're the one who's not not um not following the directions and getting things right so i actually wrote an open letter to these to these men and i had um cc'd my entire community the people who i knew and know love me and i was like this is what happened because I had actually gone through something quite traumatic in Nigeria where I wasn't being treated too well in a situation. And it felt really icky, but it just felt like there was no space within this particular system that can be this intense patriarchal culture of toxic masculinity where a woman can't say, I don't like how this feels or this doesn't feel right. And I felt so low and so saddened by how things had gone down that I, I had to really pray and meditate. And I was, and I cried and I was just like, well, what do I do when I've been in a system where there's been so much, so much cruelty? How do I regain myself? And 
the first thing I thought was, well, air out the dirty laundry, literally transmute that. So I wrote an open letter and I just wrote out everything that happened. Um, and I was just like, I could be wrong, but this is what happened. And because I know you all love me, I want you to know. And I was really surprised and I cried so much because my community, my friends and my family, they sent me messages of love and they were like, no, this is actually screwed up. No, this isn't right. And, you know, my mom was on that, that thread, that email thread. And she was just like, I know Nigeria is tough and I just wanted better treatment for you. You're my daughter. And what can we do to make you feel better to, to bring you to a happier place, to bring you to a safer place. And it was in that that I realized just in like the mirrors, the reflections of all of those statements that I, I saw how I had been shattered and how my hopes for a country had been so dashed because I realized that everything I am sensitive, perceptive, Nigerian-American, Western. And I also had to accept that as well. It's like, it's not something that I can just take off, you know, like it's something that I'll have to see and recognize that there are privileges there and there's heartache there because that means that I can't always connect or there are assumptions you know, about how I'll show up. And sometimes I do show up in the way people would expect me to show up as just somebody who wants to come back to recolonize and has no understanding of the ground she's standing in. And I, I made so many mistakes around that, so many cultural faux pas. And there was really no way to be respectful of it or to be careful of it like you know of the fact that I would inevitably hurt someone and someone would inevitably hurt me and that there would be misunderstanding so yeah it was a shattering it was definitely a shattering because I had to reconcile with the root of this um, patriarchy I had grown up in and how it had shaped my parents and also how it had shaped me and how it had shaped an entire people. Because when you hear the stories of women here and what's going on, especially around gender-based violence, um, women, girls, children, what happens to people who are seen as less vulnerable, um, not as less vulnerable, but as less powerful, as vulnerable, as weak and how people can just take advantage, you know? Um, it hurts, it hurts, and it's a shattering. It's a shattering because also, of course, I, I have to contend with this system of colonization. You know, that's one layer. And then there's another layer of how we in, have internalized these systems and how we have used these systems and all of its wretchedness against each other. And that is our work to heal. We don't get to escape that. And after a while, I, I just caught myself saying, at what point do we heal this?
So I don't know if I've told you all this, but I love me some Joni Mitchell for real. And I really, really wanted to play a song of hers, but I don't know if I can with copyright and I don't want anyone to sue me because it's not like I'm stacked like that. And, you know, I just want to be right with the Joni. But I do love Joni Mitchell, and there's a song of hers called Both Sides Now that actually reminds me a lot of um, just this episode, which I feel is really about seeing, what is it, the different sides of the same coin of one's homeland, the love and the light, the shadow and the the dark. No, no, no. (laughs) The shadow and the, you know, whatever is the opposite of the shadow. Yeah, the shadow and the light and the good and the bad. The betrayal and the hope. So, yeah, instead of me finding other music, I'll just sing to you because I love to sing. So here's Joni Mitchell's Both Sides Now. Rose and flows of angel hair And ice cream castles in the air And feather canyons everywhere I looked at clouds that way But now they only block the sun They rain and snow on everyone so many things i would have done but clouds got in my way i've looked at clouds from both sides now from up and down and still somehow it's clouds illusions that i recall I really don't know, really don't know clouds at all. Joni Mitchell, y'all, she's the truth. So when I picked up the pieces of the shattering, I'm still in the process of picking up the pieces, but I think for me, the first step was just acknowledging that a shattering has happened and that it really does hurt and it really does feel bad. I think there's this need to bypass the pain or, you know, in this day and age, there's this whole kind of thing around being positive and just ignoring it and it'll go away. But if you look at it, that's that's what this system wants you to do. It doesn't want you to really look at things and sit with what hurts, to sit with the grief. And I think many more of us who return home will have to sit with the grief of what has happened to our homelands and how you can both love a homeland and also feel very betrayed by it, Um, you know? So I think just reconciling that and holding space for that and knowing that you might have days of rage like I remember just today a few hours ago I was telling somebody like look I don't know how long I'm going to be able to stay in this country honestly you know and it was the same exact feeling I had about the U.S. for years 
until finally I just left one day. And, you know, I always thought I was coming back, but I never did. So it's interesting now how a similar feeling is creeping up about Nigeria. Just like, I love this land, but damn, you know? Um, yeah, yeah. So recognizing and dealing with it, dealing with the grief, letting yourself cry, letting yourself rage, finding healthy ways to do that because you also don't want to take that out on anybody, but that energy needs to move because it's not only your energy. I, I know that the anger I have is the anger that so many women have out here and also so many people who feel gypped have out here. Um, when you're living in a country where more than half of the population lives on less than $2 a day, there's gonna be this energetic rage and indignation. It's unfair. It's unfair, the cruelty. So sit in it, sit in it. And then the other piece too I had to, to deal with was also the fact that I just, you know, there's a lot of acceptance around the pieces. I had to accept my particular relationship to the shattering. So here I am in this particular embodiment as a Nigerian American woman who has never lived a day in her life in Nigeria and who has very little understanding of what it actually means to be on this soil. So I had to also reconcile my own naivete and my own disrespect, honestly, coming into a place thinking, oh, I can just live without really having to reckon with things. I, I don't think I understood the gravity of what I was walking into, honestly. I just think I was so caught up in like, oh, I'm coming back home. I'm, and I'm not saying that's wrong, but I'm just saying, again, my favorite word of 2020, complicated, because we have to acknowledge the ground we stand on. And I think now I'm starting to do that. And because of that, I'm moving differently. There's been internal shifts. And I would also say really leaning on the people who, who love me has helped. And that has actually opened up a lot of conversations with family as well in ways I never expected. Rage has come back from the girl I was who couldn't express herself. So it's so interesting how returning home can also bring up just um, old wounds, you know, and it all came out because I felt like the situation I had found myself in was actually a recreation of my family system, which in many ways loved me and in many ways was deeply unhealthy. So I just, you know, I was really, really angry because I was like, how did I end up doing this again and getting into this again? But, you know, that's a part of the looking at the pieces. Sometimes that's a part of the work, making those mistakes again and again and again until finally something in you can really um, cultivate that discernment that helps you to choose differently. So for me, I had to really reconcile all those pieces and talk to friends about it and 
really cry about it. I'm still crying about it, you know, and it feels good. It's a release. I've never thought I'd be a crier, but I definitely am these days. And I would, you know, also say those other things too, because sometimes all you can do is just breathe and be, and you realize that there's actually not much you can do other than that. So that's been huge for me. You know, when I had confronted and aired out the dirty laundry in this scenario in Nigeria with what happened, it was completely like, what's the word, irrevocable? Like there was no going back. You know, what was done was done. And it, it was like I had to completely end things completely. And it, it had its consequences. So also living with that as well, but also being relieved because I felt like I had regained myself back. So then that's the other thing about reconciling these broken pieces, the, the shattering, that the question is, is who are you going to build yourself up to be? Because there are certain things that will never be pieced back together again in the same way. So to... um. I need to find his name, but to the person who reached out to me on Instagram and asked, yeah, I, I'm not quite sure how to reintegrate into my, like, into my homeland. And, you know, just, you could hear all of like the different things, um, this person was trying to consider just around like, well, how do I do so in a respectful matter manner without shattering myself? And, and I think the truth is, is that you're just going to have to reconcile that you probably will be shattered and it probably won't be pretty. But what I think is cool in my own process is that I'm realizing that I'm really badass. I mean, here I am in a country that I don't know, sometimes I feel I have no business in because I never even really grew up here, but I feel like I, I have something to learn and something to know and something to reconcile and almost karma to release, actually. And I've had to deal with roaches. I've had to deal with all manner of nonsense. And somehow I can still choose to love and be who I am because to be this sensitive in a place that says you have to be tough is almost anathema. It's antithetical. It's like, what? So you'll really start seeing who you are. Um, and I think my only, my only advice is that you always hold everyone as much as you can with the same amount of respect and love and grace you give yourself. So again, I always come back to self-love with reconciling the shattering because the love you can give yourself is the same you can give to others, even when they piss you off, you know, because it's not about ruining other people or even proving other people wrong. It's just about figuring out who you are, what works and what relationships you no longer have a desire to be in. I hope I didn't ramble too much, but this is what I got. Huge shout out to um, this person who reached out on Instagram because it really made me think differently about all that I've been through since I've been here. Mm -hmm.
you for listening to episode four. And a huge shout out to the person who reached out to me. I actually went back again and looked more in depth at their Instagram because at first I just looked at their profile pic and looked at their message and I was just like, oh, okay, cool. And then I realized like looking at the Instagram, first of all, this person is dope. So I'm so excited that um, we're Instagram friends. They're like creative. So that's just so cool. Um, But second of all, I realized that there was also so much I didn't know. So much that um, once I kept looking and reading the work, I was just like, ah, okay, the way I had identified this person was incorrect. Um, At least I think it was incorrect. So I'm going to leave this podcast messy and I'm not going to edit what I've just said because I think it's a good teachable moment you just don't know someone until you know and that's why it's always best to ask and not assume so yeah yeah so then again that's the nugget I leave you with when it comes to the question and the shattering that happens after the question is raised and how you reconcile those pieces because there's always something new to learn and I don't try to hide and sugarcoat the fact that I have so much to learn and that I make a lot of mistakes and actually the way I I am seeing that I learn is through so many mistake making that I I, I can't take it sometimes. I'm like, girl, why can't you just be perfect? Um, But to love myself is to also accept my my flaws and do my best. So I'm doing my best. And I hope you listening to this episode, you think more deeply about your own story and the ground you stand on and what you need to reconcile and what has shattered you about who you are and where you come from. Because right now we're going through a massive awakening on a collective scale, really reckoning with our humanity. And I guess that's my next word for 2022, my other big word, reckoning. Nobody on this planet, I I think, is, is, um, can escape the reckoning we have to do about who we are and the ground we stand on and the systems that have completely disinherited us from ourselves. I think I said that in another episode too, disinherited us from ourselves. I mean it. So what are you doing to regain it? I really hope you have a nice day or night. It's night here. So I am going to go to bed and I'm wishing you the very best. Bye.